Hey guys, Sean Hayes here. Jason Bateman, Will Arnett, and I had a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity to sit down with not one, not two, but three presidents of the United States on our recent episode of Smartless. That's because President Biden, a returning guest, brought two of his favorite pals, former Presidents Bill Clinton and Barack Obama, all joined us for unforgettable conversation. It's a historic episode of Smartless as we pry into the minds of these remarkable leaders. We'll cover everything from their time in office, America's responsibilities in the world, and their personal passions in an episode full of some candid stories, insightful perspectives, and a few surprises along the way. Whether you're a political junkie or just curious about the inner workings of the Oval Office, this episode is a must listen. Don't miss out on this incredible opportunity to hear from three of the most influential figures in recent American history. Follow Smartless on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. You can also listen to Smartless ad-free by joining Wondery Plus in the Wondery app or on Apple Podcasts. Hear that? It's the call of the Crave. And when the Crave calls, you know what to do. Try the $5 Bacon Bundle, because the only thing better than a White Castle slider is a White Castle slider topped with crispy hickory-smoked bacon. So pick any two of either the Bacon Cheese Slider, 1921 Bacon Cheese Slider, or Chicken Bacon Ranch Slider, and also get a small fry for just $5 with the $5 Bacon Bundle. White Castle. Follow your Crave. Hello, this is Andy Richter, and you are listening to The Three Questions, and my guest today is the lovely and talented Natasha Leone. Hello, Andy Richter. Hello, Natasha. We've known each other for a very long time. So long. Yeah, yeah. And still, I'm most excited by your eyebrows. You're a real Jack Nicholson character. Really? Oh, you mean the, the, the flexibility of them? Yes, and their pointiness. I'm so I'm so jealous of them. I have taken, though, uh, lately to plucking because- Really? I'm 52 years old, and I- you know, like there's the difference between eyebrow hair and whiskers. I'm getting fucking whiskers yeah. growing out of like thick, yeah. coarse, boar bristle hairs growing out of my eyebrows. And then also too, just like appearing in a couple of days, like a three inch long whitey. Okay. Upshot, however. Yeah. Uh, pretty soon. Eyes don't work as well. You think it's the right prescription. <laughs> right, exactly. But you don't know. Exactly. That's the life of a woman, you see. As, <laughs> I know, I know. And especially you're fair. Okay, I'll just put it in first person. I'm fair haired. Yes. And shocking. It's uh, shocking, uh, like in an airplane bathroom especially. Oh, yeah, It's yeah. very shocking because I think I'm in the clear and all of a sudden- Something terrible. It's terrible. Airplane bathrooms are cruel. Yeah, they sneak up on you. Really cruel. Yeah, yeah, yeah. One of um, the many indignities of getting older, but this is, you know, it's such a small and yet large one. It's really, it's more of a metaphor than an actual injury. Yes, yes. Yes. I've never been a hairy person, and Uh now, like, my legs are, like, baby smooth. I like to say I'm I'm an infant Well, you're like my Hungarian grandmother that way. Yes, exactly. (laughs) In so many ways. Yes. But I've even had, like, a a man at the farmer's market once, a stranger, said to me something like, do you shave those legs? And I was like, no, it's called old age. The, the, The hair falls out. I was like, you know, I'm so glad that I had a stranger comment on my hairless legs. Believe? Good job, buddy. Here's Thanks what a lot. It's like yeah. Being a woman yeah, yeah, every inch of the farmer's market. I know, I is know. It's a, a death zone. Is is a minefield. But of yeah, judgment. but I I think of you in this kind of uh, always in a very dramatic sort of and also uh you're like um Ryan Eno, you know, like uh 
Uh, wow. find, an, find your safety and let it be an anchor. Like, I think of you in that way. In what way? Because I, our I'd experience- I love that you're talking about me. On Scary Movie oh, right, 2, right. the wonderful picture directed by Keenan Ivory Wayne. That's right. Uh, someone Which say- we were, we, were in, we were in the best part of the movie, just for those that don't know. We were, there's an exorcist, exorcist parody at the beginning of the movie that I played the, the Jason Miller priest- Mm-hmm. And you play Reagan, Linda Blair. Yeah, yeah L- the Linda Blair, uncredited, by the way. Why did you? Why were you uncredited? Oh, uh, I don't know. Probably like a classy move. I- yeah, I'm yeah. deeply aware that I was in it. <laughs> I uh, think most any people are. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and then uh, the other priest was supposed to be the Max Foncito was supposed to be Marlon Brando. Yes, and we worked for Mar- with Marlon Brando for a day. And then it ended up being James Woods. And this is why I think of you as the safety in the storm because. Your eyes and those eyebrows, I was even shellacked in so much monster makeup. Uh-huh. And all I could do, remember when Brando, you know, was sad. I mean, that's the reason, of course, that I did it. I oh, was like, uh, come uh, on, are you kidding uh, me, Brando? Absolutely. Uh, and I remember, you know, him coming in with his oxygen tank. And remember, he had his earbuds. Earpiece. And that, his, the woman, Abra, that was her name. Uh, went, Abra, I can't hear you. Abra. Right. What, Abra? I can't hear you, Abra. The power of what compels me? The power? <laughs> Christ. Yes. And I would look at you through all that makeup and just be like, Andy is my safe place. Oh, that's nice. And because it was like what we were seeing was so surreal. And I remember Keenan and I, Wayne's would be like, now we're going to have the bed as a scary movie joke turn into like a lowrider car that's kind of on. Yes. What are those called? Uh, Puffer zones, we'll call them. You know, and it bumps up and <laughs> oh, down. Oh, like, yeah. And on, hydraulics. Uh, uh, hydraulics, right. And so- you and I kind of like, I felt like maintained sort of like eye contact as like Brando and his oxygen tank. And yes, his yes. earpiece tried to kind of like understand the gag that was the hydraulics within the scene about yeah. the exorcist. It was so psychedelic. And I think I also in that way think of you as a dramatic actor because my context for you is Brando. Well, yes. He and I are often are thought together. Yeah. We're like a, an accessory set. Yeah. Whenever I'm around people that I am kind of in awe of, I don't say a word. Yeah. And so he and I, we were alone together at one point sitting behind a, a set running lines. And there was a <laughs> joke. There was a joke that was, um, oh, it burns. It burns. You know, like how Reagan says it burns when she gets the uh, the holy water. But in this case, it was the priest saying it burns and burns. You hear it burns and burns off camera. And then you look, and it's the priest holding his dick saying, you know, that Tijuana hooker or yeah. something like that. Yes. And we were running those lines, and he went over that three times, and he went like, I don't understand this joke. What, is this, <laughs> what does this even mean? And he, well, and he had said, like, uh, first of all, can we not say Tijuana hooker? Uh, it's a pejorative. Uh, could we just say oh, – Good for him. Could we just maybe say, you know – my ex-wife or something like that. <laughs> he changed it to something. Mm-hmm. And he and he's like, I don't understand this joke. And I said, well, it's, I said, it's like an STD joke. It's like in the original, it's the holy water burns, but in this it's, it burns, it burns. And it's him burning because of an STD. And he went, oh, the clap. Ah, oh. he's like, <laughs> he's like, the clap doesn't burn that bad. <laughs> it's like, oh, okay. Wow. Yeah, yeah. It was pretty amazing. There was a pretty, and then I got to, and then James Woods came in, and uh, one of the, just those moments, those showbiz moments that just break your fucking heart. And I mean, he's now, 
you know, he was, at the time I had a lot of respect for him. He's an amazing actor. Now yeah. he's, you know, Once really. Once Upon a Time in America. Oh, the Onion Field. Videodrome. Yeah. He, yeah. But, you know, he's now really given over to the really? full on prick lifestyle. Yeah. So, but we did a, our first chunk of stuff and then they took me away to do like EPK or something. Mm-hmm. And there was a break and he chased me down like, Andy, Andy, come here, come here, come here. And he pulled me aside and he said, it's like, you know, I, I do drama stuff, but you, you know, you, you're the big comedy maven. Uh, <laughs> am I doing all right? And I was just like, yeah, you're doing great. James fucking Woods, Oscar nominee or whatever. Little Jimmy Woods got his heart back. No, they're not, we're not going that far. <laughs> no, we're not this going that This guy turned far. out to be a real prick, huh? Oh, he's the worst. Meantime, I have dailies on VHS. Oh, you of do? me, you, and Brando. Yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah. I would love to have those. Yeah, I should really transfer them or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right? Dude, that would I'm be great. I'm keeping them in a closet next uh, to a can of gasoline and some <laughs> pack of matches. Just in case. Yes, but just I now case. see that maybe that's the wrong place for Yeah, yeah. It. yeah. Well, I don't know why you keep gasoline <laughs> in your house anyway. <laughs> no, that's strange. I just like having a risk of disaster. Yes, sir. Well, I should get to the concept of the show because yes. this is a, one of our, you know, it's a new show. And uh, the name of the show is uh, The Three Questions. And my favorite part of the Conan show is talking to people into commercial breaks. And I don't ask them about their projects. I ask them about their life. And that's what I wanted this show to be. And what these three questions are for, I'm sure all of America soon will know all of them. But it's, uh, where do you come from? Where are you going? And what have you learned? So that's mm-hmm. what we're going to do throughout the hour is uh, is answer the I – mean, you're going to answer the Wonderful. Questions. I mean, you should know I I arrive here uh, utterly unprepared. Uh, that's answer. all right. And so we'll, I'll be strictly winging it and that's we'll fine. discover together. Well, you don't need, you don't need to are. study your own – you don't need yeah. to study your own life. There was going to be a fourth question, which is how are your bowel movements? Oh, but, I'm, uh, glad. I'm relieved. Okay. I'm relieved that that's not that's in play. That's not in there? All right. Not, not really my bag. <laughs> yeah. It's not really my colostomy bag. All right. Well, yes. Okay. So what? But I know you're you're from New York City. You're a New yes. York City kid. Yeah. What did your parents do? Born in New York Hospital. I recently tracked down a birth certificate, uh, oh, really? which will give you some indication of what it was like. <laughs> um, and uh, and then we lived in um, Herman Mel- Melville's old uh, is it Herman Melville's dilapidated mansion. In, oh wow. Uh, in um, in Kings Point in Great Neck in wow. in Long Island. Was it broken up into, or did you? Live it was in the whole just thing? that it was a sort of like overgrown. There was a long uh, winding driveway. There was a uh, overgrown bush bush everywhere, and <laughs> and there was um, a kennel full of uh, dogs. You know, my my father um, he had come from a very um, Orthodox Jewish family of uh, you know uh, button makers and uh, oh, wow. Flatbush and. Uh, uh, you know, but they were like fifth generation American. My my grandfather was in uh, a pilot in World War II in the American side, so you know you're welcome. And, uh, <laughs> and an Orthodox pilot, I that's yeah. you know that that's a yeah. movie right there. Yeah, the Orthodox pilot. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and uh, and so, but anyway, he dreamed of being a race car driver and a uh, a boxing promoter. Your dad, my dad. It yeah. was the '80s. He wanted to. Um, Don King was his big hero, and. Uh, anyway, I don't know how that so, one macho dream translated to the next, but there were a lot of we had a kennel full of dogs, yeah. G- German um, shepherds and Doberman pinchers and Rottweilers. Wow, yeah, very yeah. macho dogs. Yeah, macho dogs. Very overcompensating dogs. Yeah, yeah. Although I'll never forget uh, Whoopi Goldberg and Jumping Jack Flash and the scene with the Rottweiler. I was like, ah, this is my scene. <laughs> like I always felt so connected <laughs> to that scene. Yeah, yeah. How did they end up in that crazy old house? Uh, just- so I don't know. I think some sort of you know weird. Uh, Bizarro 
typology, I'm yeah. guessing. And, uh, you know, my mother was her own mm. sort of a wild redheaded case. And, um, you know, uh, European, she was born in Paris and, um, you know, she had a Hungarian. And on her side of the family, they're Holocaust survivors and... Uh, in any event, uh, they we lived in this kind of crazy-looking house, um, and I'm guessing that that was the appeal. Uh, later in life, when I've uh, when I've sort of said this one-liner of like eh, Herman Melville's dilapidated mansion, and my impression of me, I have a thicker New York accent. You do, um, yeah, and yeah. it's good though. You got You got yeah. You really hit the brand hard. Uh-huh. I just don't yeah, think yeah. it's thick enough, and. Uh, and some people have said, like, Herman Melville never even lived in Long Island. That sentence makes no sense. So really, it's hard to say. Listen. But that's where I come from. You make your own truth. And, yeah. You know, and fuck those people. Let you, you know, let you, let you have yeah. your history. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And then anyway, then we lived in Israel for two years for tax evasion reasons in nice. the 80s. Then my mother and I moved back to Manhattan. And then that's where I really lived from, uh, I guess, uh, nine or ten until present day, and I'm now uh, 21. So it's uh, it's been a long, long time. Do you have siblings? I do. I have one older brother, uh-huh. Adam, who's six years older than me. Uh-huh. How old were your parents when they had you? Were they youngish? That's an interesting they... question. Yeah. They have so little context uh, in this way. Maybe this is why my grasp on reality is so slim, uh, <laughs> is that I have no underlying sort really of rooting. You don't really know. Oh, okay. Yeah, I now see that, only in this moment. Thank you. For, oh, well, that's uh, all right. That that's all right. Andy. No, no, no shrink yet could crack it. And <laughs> here we are in five minutes. Uh, yeah, I'm not sure how old they uh, sort of ever were, to be yeah, honest. Yeah, yeah, I kind of have no sense of them as uh, figures with a, a number. What is your sense of them as parents? Like, how are they as parents? They're like, you know, so much changes. You get older. And I feel like in so many ways, the things that are weird when you're a kid, like sometimes I think like if Penny Marshall and Bob Evans had been my parents. Yeah. Would I have thought that they were kind of like nightmares or geniuses? You know what I mean? I sometimes sort of, in other words, in others and especially in showbiz, we kind of so... Uh, deeply normalized kind of eccentric behavior mm-hmm. in this way that makes me sort of uh, self-question retroactively sort of my impression of who they were relative to the company I keep in adult life. I see. But certainly they were not, you know, great at being parents. Yeah. So what else? I have no idea. I'm sure that Penny Marshall is a wonderful mother and Bob Evans is a wonderful father. Right. So no is, shade does there. Does Bob Evans have kids? A bunch of them. Ali Sheedy's babies, yeah, right? Yeah. I don't know. Maybe those oh. are Steve McQueen's kids. I don't know. I don't yeah, know yeah. whose children. <laughs> yeah, he's got babies. The Godfather, right? Yes. right? The Godfather too. That's his baby. Yeah. Um, well, now- how did you start acting? That's you know, I mean, was this something that you pushed them to do, or I think it was the other way around. So I think oh, they really? kind of like had this sort of um, you know '80s fantasy of kind of you know this is you remember the '80s and the uh, crazy vaguely, Eddie was vaguely. huge. I mean, the figures in my life were like crazy Eddie, Don King, right. you know. So they were. I just of- remember parting my hair in the middle. Did you That's, really? I did. Yeah, that was the thing. It, it was kind of the butt cut. The butt cut. It wasn't exactly, uh, yeah, it was like, you know, that, it was like Christy McNichol hair, like uh-huh. parted in the middle and feathered, like that was what everyone's hair was. But I bet you still wore polo shirts because you still wear them, right? Yeah, probably. Yeah. But they were, they were tackier. This, I just, uh, no, this is like, I wear, I wear uh, polo shirts just because they're like a t-shirt with a collar. So I seem a right, little bit legit. Right, it's a 50-50. Yeah, it's like, I, I'm still dressing like a toddler. Right, but I have a collar on, so I look. That's how I feel about a blazer. Yeah, Um, you throw it on, you seem legit. But 
I bet you look great in pastels. Like the whole 80s palette really spoke to your kind of complexion and I the am, blonde and the blues. I, listen, I am not afraid of color. I do like yeah. color. I wear too much blue and black just out of yeah. like laziness. Yeah. But I really, I don't care about popping. I'll pop. Were you a real Gordon Gecko 80s type? No. 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 No, I've always been exactly who I am. Yeah. I've always been like just this fucking, you know, this hulking corpse drags itself around. That's yeah. always been me. I identify. Um, you know what I mean? I, I no, think that's I, how most of us feel. I have, no, I have friends that, uh, you know, talk about feeling like they went through so many changes in their lives. And I just am like, the only changes that I've been through is like getting less depressed. Like, yeah. but other Important. than that, like, yeah, oh, it's, it's huge. It's everything. It's gigantic. Um, but other than that, like, no, I, I'm the same fucking, I'm really like, I'm like the same person that I was when I was like 14 or 15. Yeah. I don't, and, and the being my age is just like, I don't, it doesn't even register to me. Like the fact that I've been on earth for 52 years, it's, you know, yeah, it's like, I don't know. It's. I like it actually. I like the being some like my identity being in some kind of youthful stasis, but with wisdom because I have gotten, I have you know, I had my eyes open. I've learned some shit, you know. But mm-hmm. so now, yeah, let's get back to to you and your showbiz. Mm-hmm. Like, how did you feel when your folks are like, let's? Yeah, well, you know. Uh, anyway, I would say that also. I. I I relate to that. I feel I saw this picture yesterday of myself um, that a friend sent me. I ran to some old friend that I, I didn't even realize uh, no me since in when I was uh, eight, and it was like. Uh, and then in this morning, I was uh, I took a spin class, Andy. Yeah, you gotta, nice. You gotta stay sure. fit. And uh, look, I was fifteen minutes late. The class was thirty minutes, but the point is, I went and. Uh, <laughs> And I said, those, I, things, I, are, I those things are hard on the so crotch. I cannot do those the things. The crotch, the lungs, the oh, hard on the lungs. So I'm like, I think I'm like living, you know, freely with the consequence free. You get into a spin class, you're like, Jesus Christ, this is terrifying. Uh-huh. And anyway, but then I caught myself in the profile in the mirror. And I was like, oh, my God. Because I think I was like sweaty and sort of curly haired. I looked exactly like this little eight-year-old girl because I was like oh, sort yeah. of not in my full kind of like, you know, tough guy heart shell yet. And yeah. um, I do feel similarly like I, there was always this sort of, I wonder if that's even in a way, um, you know, this this heaviness that you speak of, this kind of, uh, you know, depression or any number of names for, I guess, how it manifests, but yeah. this kind of like living in an internal world, if that has something to do with a sort of like, you know, knowing self almost too deeply yeah. in a way that kind of travels with you the whole way through. Yes. Yeah. The overknowledge of self can be uh, its own kind of like inertia. It's also tricky. It's almost like being like a, a teenager. It's like then the shame comes of, uh, oh, my God, am I just self-obsessed? You know, like mm-hmm. this kind of idea of like, and then uh, with adulthood, it's also like a realization that the world's problems are so sweeping. You know what I mean? That they're, mm-hmm. it's all so deeply unjust that it's kind of like this um, – self-shaming that I think happens around and, you know, why it's so kind of important and great that everybody's first starting to talk about kind of uh, mental health as a real, just a a reality of every single person's life. You know what I mean? Like leaving aside even, you know, diagnoses and chemical imbalances and specificities in general, kind of like the, the modern dilemma, the human condition is in and of itself sort of a living nightmare to navigate Mm -hmm. for, I think, Probably all thinking, feeling people. Yeah. Well, there are people who are kind of blessed with kind of just, yeah, they're okay. You know, uh, and I don't, 
know too many of them. Uh, you know, I mean, look at the business we're in. Yeah. Um, the podcast. But yeah, the podcast industry. <laughs> but yeah, no, it's, uh, uh, you know, I, I've been open about going to therapy and, and you're in therapy, I would assume. Uh, not, not in a way that I should be, Andy. What does no, that mean? I'm running rogue. You know what I mean? I'm, <laughs> I'm running rogue. I mean, you just, you just, uh, hap- you, you lean on Uber drivers for your therapy? Is oh that what it God, is? Oh my God, but the guys, I know these guys. <laughs> these guys are so good at what they do. And I keep calling back the same driver and he's, he's very creeped <laughs> out. Very creeped out. I've certainly spent real time in therapy over yeah, the years. Yeah, yeah. Yes. But you're not now? No. How come? Uh, I don't know. No, I mean, if no. you want to share, I uh, do. Yeah, I mean, I guess it's an interesting question. Only in that I sort of never really think about it, like, too deeply. It's sort of this thing that I, uh, like, assume I should be in. Mm-hmm. And so I kind of, like, I'm such a sort of, um, so uh, New York Jewy. I mean, I know his name is Verboten, but I'm such a sort of a Willie, Woody Allen figure that, mm-hmm. uh, um, and I don't mean figure, I mean, you know, that that makeup that's kind of like hyper analytical and sort of talks about being in therapy all the time, but yeah, I, I'm, yeah. I'm not actively actually in it. Uh-huh. Um, yeah. I don't know. I think maybe, maybe, I mean, I spent a lot of time doing like, I probably spent, you know, a solid, you know, f- five years or you know, maybe almost 10 years doing like deep dives into like dark nights of the soul with mm-hmm. like shrinks and all the rest and sort of, uh, I'm a little bit not in that, space right now like in some way like sort of feel like it's okay to sort of put it on pause yeah and sort of pick it up again you know and I have a very serious uh, sort of support network in in my life of mm-hmm. like it's a lot of people having a lot of uh these type of conversations and I think I've sort of like learned a lot of very serious tools along the way although I uh used to have uh this Lady in my life who would say, like, you know, tools are kind of like, uh, you know, like they're like a wand of mascara. You can't just sort of like leave it in the drawer and be like, I own mascara. You've actually got to like open the drawer, take out the wand and sort of put it on all your eyelashes and kind of like close back. That's really having, you yeah. know, any. And now, are the tools, yeah. are you talking about the people that. Yeah, I would say. Or like, you mean coping mechanisms? No, I would say just like all kinds of things, you know, whether it was about learning uh, to reparent or kind of like wallpapering the mind with love or like all these kind of like (laughs) bizarre platitudes I picked up along the way about, you know, uh, restarting your day at any time or, um, you know, smaller things. Like I remember uh, first reading The Four Agreements and being like, oh my God, this thing is so revelatory, you know, things of that nature. Like, right, don't make assumptions. Don't take things personally. Like that there's just been a lot of I think because I've spent so long being so uncomfortable in my skin and so self-destructive around it and, you know, with with drugs and alcohol, uh, that I, I think that on the, f- the back half of that, sort of like uh, realizing that I was going, that I actually had made it out alive somehow, um, I had to get really invested in uh, kind of getting well or kind of like cracking the case. So I think yeah. that there were a lot of people on that journey, a lot of books, a lot of, you know, like there's, I certainly don't think I've cracked it or any of us ever, you know, ultimately. Oh, it's it. all, it's all a process. It's, yeah. Yeah. But I would say that maybe on the short term, I just sort of, you know, felt like, ah, oh, I've got a lot of information. Let me go try it out in the world a little bit and uh, come back with new problems. Mm-hmm. Did you like your therapist that you? Um, geez, you know, it's a. Uh, not I want to. I want to listen. To oh this. my God! This therapist has been stalking me, and <laughs> Dave. That's how I know she sucks. Okay. Um, no, I. 
I don't know that I've ever truly loved uh, a therapist. I think it's been sort of part of my journey. Do you love yours? I have been talking to the same guy for about 25 years. Wow. And, and you he, just go. He's in New York City. Yeah. Uh, we do phone sessions. Yeah. And yeah, no, it's, there's, there's just so much history and groundwork and it's, and he's a very New York style guy, which is, I find a very, cause I, I, you know, I dabbled out here in some therapy. West coast therapists are much more casual and much more sort of conversational. And will say, you know, that reminds me of something in my life. Whereas my guy, he came to the Conan show. He was in LA and he came to the Conan show with his family. And that was the first time that I found out that he had been divorced and remarried like huh. six years. Like he just, you know, that was like never anything that I knew about. And he's very guarded that way. You know I mean? Appropriately. Yeah, uh, absolutely. Yeah. And I, and I, I endorse that. I think it is like, it's about me. This is like, it's an entirely selfish kind of, kind of process, but mm-hmm. it, it's, you know, it's what like church is for for religious people. For me, it mm-hmm. it is given me uh, just a a vessel to carry myself in and a sense of progress. And and the pro- that's it. the main thing is progress. Just because if I felt uh, if I felt like I wasn't at least moving forward and figuring shit out and untying knots and cleaning out closets just full of bad shit. Uh, I, I don't know what I do. I, you know, I'm, I'm lucky in that way, you know, that I just, I started with this guy and I'll probably talk to him for the rest of my life, you know, until one of us dies. And I, you know, and like I say, it's a, it's a, it's one of the most valuable relationships in my life. And it's really weird because it's, well, it's certainly not weird. I mean, it's, well, it's weird that it's, it's weird that it's like a, it's an important relationship, but I know almost nothing about him. You know, it's like it's mm-hmm. a it's a very specific kind of thing that you have to give yourself over to and you have to believe in the process and you have to. And I never have, you know, I used to have sessions, too, where I'd be like, eh, I don't have much to talk about. Like, I never have that anymore. There's always something to talk about. There's always, you know, once you and get the hang happens, of it. You feel like you're like actively working through something and it's. Absolutely. absolutely. How, how long do you go for? Like, is it a, I, a 50 minute session? Twice a week, 50 minutes on the uh-huh. phone. And. I mean, a lot of it is just talking about the shit that's happened to you that you don't want to bore the people around you with. Yeah. You know, it's just you, you can. And but the thing that to me is always so valuable is when I say something that I already knew, but I didn't know that I knew it until I s- expressed it to this guy, you know, like mm-hmm. uh He's not doing it. You know, it's you talking. It's you basically, you know, I mean, it's me talking, sorting out Mm -hmm. all of this. Like I said, it's untying knots. It's and and it's it's going over the same thing. And it's and it's things that you just haven't verbalized. And then you verbalize them. And it's like, oh, fuck. Yeah. You know, like, okay, wow. Yeah. You know, I think I've only really. Uh, done therapy in my life. I mean, I've done it so much, but I've I've only really done it um, primarily when things are acute. You know, I've yeah. never really sustained. Yeah, yeah. And kind of like used it in moments that were sort of crucial. Yeah. Um, and which you know, thanks to a high octane lifestyle, there's been many. Uh, to be clear, <laughs> um, but 
you know, I don't think that I've ever sort of really sustained, like what you're describing of this kind of sustained sort yeah. of like 20 years of even sort of like not in uh, emotional crisis. Right. To still be kind of showing up for that uh, yeah. relationship. It sounds like a thing of beauty that, that I've never really been able to touch. You should try yeah. it though. I mean, you should at least be open to it. You know? Yeah. You know, I mean, you should do everything I do is basically yes, what I'm well, saying. Yes. Well, A, yes. Yes. Um, clearly. And, uh, yeah. No, it, it's it's honestly I do I I am I'm such an advocate that I just feel like and I'm not you know I'm not here I telling also, you. I also not only that know. but I also want everybody in my life and everybody I know and every young person to yeah. be there. So it's not like I don't uh, deeply agree. I, I wonder what it is. I think I might I I think yeah I think I think probably I just spent so many years so exclusively focused on kind of you know restructuring and and kind of like getting well. That on the backside of that, I was more interested in kind of, you know, a sort of a daily maintenance of this kind of uh, new approach to life that, sure. you know, luckily I and found. And moving on. And not even like moving on, just sort of that I didn't feel like um, I was so relieved to no longer be in a state of sort of acute crisis. Yeah. That I think I probably, uh, you know, mistakenly or correctly uh, sort of associated deep analysis with kind of those times in my life ah. in a way that I haven't quite, I think it's like, I'm almost there. Like I'm so relieved that so many sort of great things are happened and sort of, you know, professionally the war is over, you know, uh, physically sort of like financially, like, um, you know, my health, like my, the consistency of my relationships, my friendships, like, you know, I have an apartment now, like my dog is really into me. Um, <laughs> you know, I'm just bragging at this point, but I, I think that I'm sort of, um, yes, the, so the dog, relieved. The dog and, obviously saw Russian dog. Well, the dog yeah, yeah. is fucking obsessed with the show. Yeah, yeah. I mean, <laughs> come on, the dog gets it. All right, right, right. Um, so yeah, I think I was just sort of, but in other words, on the other side of kind of like these. It's interesting to be, you know, I'm going to be forty one of these days in the next, you know, twenty to thirty years. And, sure. Uh, and so it's interesting to think of the idea of entering therapeutic relationship without an immediate kind of crisis on hand, yeah. and to see what that would feel like is uh, you've piqued my curiosity. For 25 years, Mike's has been making lemonade the hard way. Mike's Hard Lemonade. Hard days deserve a hard lemonade. Mike's is hard. So is prison. Don't drive drunk. Premium all beverage with flavors. All registered trademarks used under license by Mike's Hard Lemonade Company, Chicago, Illinois. Hey guys, Sean Hayes here. Jason Bateman, Will Arnett, and I had a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity to sit down with not one, not two but three presidents of the United States on our recent episode of Smartless. That's because President Biden, a returning guest, brought two of his favorite pals, former Presidents Bill Clinton and Barack Obama, all joined us for unforgettable conversation. It's a historic episode of Smartless as we pry into the minds of these remarkable leaders. We'll cover everything from their time in office, America's responsibilities in the world, and their personal passions in an episode full of some candid stories, insightful perspectives, and a few surprises along the way. Whether you're a political junkie or just curious about the inner workings of the Oval Office, this episode is a must-listen. Don't miss out on this incredible opportunity to hear from three of the most influential figures in recent American history. Follow Smartless on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. You can also listen to Smartless ad-free by joining Wondery Plus in the Wondery app or on Apple Podcasts. Have you ever spotted McDonald's hot, crispy fries right as they're being scooped into the carton? And time just stands still. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. 
Can't you tell my love's a grow? I do want to talk about, because I, I've read some quotes from yeah. you about, because I have kids. Yeah. And I have a daughter who goes to a nice L.A. private school. Yeah. A lot of her friends are in the business. And she's a good actress, too. She's, uh, I mean, like, as objective as I can be, she's really But she's a bit good. more of a grown-up, right? How old she's is she 13. Yeah. She's 13 now. But, 13, uh, but I was 13. I mean, I, I, know, I, know. I was running a, right. a cargo, kilos right. coming from here right, to there. Right. You know what I'm saying? You had they, four Coogan accounts. Come on. Um, she wanted to get, you know, she would, like, ask me about it. And I, having been in show business, I just was like, no. Yeah. And I understand, you know, like, show business needs children. You know, the... the, the That's water. You know. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what you guys think of this. Uh, I mean, that's the, you water know, in a glass. They need children, but it's like, my daughter, we had a conversation once where she really, like, because she is a good self-advocator, which mm-hmm. will serve her well in her future life. But for me right now, it's a fucking drag because yeah. she never lets anything drop. And I have to beg her to end negotiations. So she was like pushing about, I want to be an actor. I want to do this. And I finally just said to her, I said, look, because she said, why don't you want me to do it? And I said, you will be surrounded by people who say that they're your friend and that they love you. But what they're really into is making money out of you. You will be surrounded by adults who judge the way you look, judge the way you talk, judge your body, judge your hair, and you will, you know, you will be separate from actual life. And she kind of understood, you know, Uh and the notion of these people loving you. It's interesting to me that you went through that. And I like I've heard your perspective on it as being kind of like it wasn't so great. Well, you know, in the first place, I would think that the things, the very things that you're raising and suggesting to her are such clear evidence of um, good parenting (laughs) that in the first case, you know, in the first place, her experience would automatically be, you know, radically different than my own, which was just like, you know, so I I do think that sort of... um, uh, belly that foundation of where these kind of individual showbiz kids are coming from. You know, mine ends up sort of like a very stereotypical arc of kind of gifted child of narcissistic parents gets put in showbiz, kind of like does a couple things. Hey, it's fun. It's a uh, you know, imagination, fun, and then it's kind of quickly descends into the things you're talking about. Of like, uh, who am I? Why am I here? All these grown-ups are judging. Am I good enough? And, blah, blah, blah. Yeah, yeah. and you know, drugs. Drugs feel good. Eh? Sycophants everywhere, you know, and it's suddenly you're in um, Fellini's... Um, you know, Spirits of the Dead movie, Toby Dammit, your Terrence Stamp, you're walking around at some award ceremony with like a drink and a f- race car, uh-huh. being like, yeah, roll. <laughs> you know, a bunch of uh, satanic caricatures out to get me. And, uh, you know, and then you kind of come down and return and, you know, uh, if you make it out alive. And so, uh, great. That's, uh, you know, my personal trajectory and many others. You know what I mean? I mean, uh, Many people who are much more famous than me, for example, uh, Drew Barrymore or something. I mean, it's much more in line with, uh, you know, that type of a a narrative. When I say much more famous, I mean, you know, uh, there was also there's a lot of, I think, space in there between being, you know, a kid who's in some things and, you know, a giant kind of Macaulay Culkin style movie star. Right. Like there's a lot of you know, space there of like to recreationally do a couple of things here and there with parents that are very like supportive and kind of like, okay, but did you also brush your teeth tonight? Mm -hmm. You know, like is very, uh, you know, life is so 
do so many sort of like sweeping kind of generalizations. And, and in fact, everything in life is just so deeply a case to case, like moment yeah. to moment is it's so. It's a continuum. Yeah. And um, so, but, you know, you really do raise some kind of like universal uh, issues. Like it would, time would never, I, I certainly do not know uh, of one woman in show business that has ever not been sort of forced to acknowledge her kind of exterior the way she looks. Yeah. Like, I don't think that that, uh, for, I mean, one of the things I'm so sort of like grateful for about uh, turning 40 is I'm like, holy shit, I'm really not as fucked up in this area as I used to be. Like, I used to really spend kind of like dedicated time while surrounding like self-loathing for just existing and like having a body and a face and hair, yeah. you know, and uh, separate from showbiz, in showbiz, certainly, and like, you know, the whole thing. Just being a woman and mm -hmm. then being a showbiz woman on top of it. Right, right. Um, but I'm like, ah, that's kind of lessening. Is that age? What is that? How, how, why? So in other words, like that, for example, is a, I would say almost a universal truth that she would be uh, dealing with. It's kind yeah. of like that baseline experience of being a woman and being a woman who's also like changing and young and is not yet a woman fully, um, you know, under additional eyeballs yeah. of like and with money involved yeah. yes yeah but you know the other thing i would say that's kind of exciting and optimistic about these modern times when it's like how radical how great that it really feels like women genuinely are kind of reclaiming some uh space around that stuff yeah. of being like whoa 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 buddy like there's a lot of us and like you know we all sort of do our thing and like a lot of us there are also you know, we've got uh, all kinds of specifics. And uh, so, you know, it's also not, I would say not as, as um, uh, we're in a time that seems to kind of uh, value uh, individuality in a way that it, it did not seem to for a very long time. Like yeah. I, I often think of like, uh, you know, some sort of, um, you know, Britney Spears, Kurt Cobain kind of like response system or something. Yeah, <laughs> like yeah. at one moment we're kind of like, you know, ah, there's too much pop. Bring me Kurt. And it's like, ah, it's gotten too real. Yeah, Bring me yeah, Brittany. Yeah. Yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. so I think who knows how long this will last. But yep. it does seem like we're sort of favoring that moment. Well, no, I, th I think it's, uh, I mean, I do think it's Meaning maybe my question, Andy, and I'm yes. so sorry. Is, no, you, this if, is about you. If she was your boy son, 13. Same thing. Ah, so then there you have it. Same thing. What do you, now, can you describe like what? Like this acceptance process that you came through? I mean, is there something? Uh, I don't know. I think this is all kind of lifetime work, all this stuff. Yeah. Like, I don't think, like I'm saying, I don't think it ever ends. I think, you know, um, you know, the world has new horrors around the corner at right. every turn. It, it never ceases to me. That's almost right. That's the fascination why we play with the Twitter. We're just like, yes. how is this possible yeah, yeah. that it's just a never-ending stream uh, and still people find hope and joy and, you know, cats and what have you. Oh, absolutely. Witticisms. No. For me, Twitter, I, well, I kind of have been checked out of politics lately because just going through stuff in my life that I yeah. just am like, it's I can't do this. I can't. Yeah. I, and it doesn't matter. It's like if it's about the election or if it's about the Mueller report, what yeah. the fuck am I going to do about it? Yeah. So I just have been kind of like. Like I actually tweeted something recently. I was like thinking about sticking to jokes. And I really am kind of like thinking about like just like for a while, let's just do jokes. Let's not let's not try and take on how fucked up everything is. And I, you yeah, know. Yeah, well, you know, 
I mean, all things in moderation. Yeah. Even these jokes of which you speak. Please. I know. <laughs> um, well, I mean, I give money things yeah. and I, you know, and I vote, but it's yeah. like, I just feel like I can't, I can't follow for, I, I just, I need a break from how fucked up everything is. It is. It's, it's, uh, I think that's why I took a break from therapy. I was like, all right, I get it. Jesus. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Enough. Yeah. You win. Yeah. I'm fucked. All right, buddy. <laughs> okay, take my money. I'm going to go be fucked over there. All right? I'm going to nap about it in those 50 minutes. I would be the fucking uh, endless series of discoveries about one more time how fucked up I am. Yeah. Hanukkah Sameach to you, sir. Um, That's not a phrase. Uh, Nobody really does that and wishes each other a happy Hanukkah. Uh, <laughs> like, that's certainly not at the end of a session. Not why a, would no. you? Why, why would you? Would you? Uh, unless why it would was you? during Hanukkah. Unless, unless Hanukkah it was. was coming up. Yeah, yeah. But even so, it would still seem obscure. Did that person even speak uh, Hebrew? Right. Probably not. And, and I mean, should you really be in therapy on Hanukkah? Should, should you? you know? Or should I be collecting gifts, baby? Right, right. You I know should, what I mean? Yeah, exactly. You should be getting a toothbrush. Yeah. And socks. Yeah. In the early days. And fire. Uh-huh. Fire from the candles. No, I don't, right. I don't celebrate anything. Um, what was uh, Israel like when you lived in Israel? Ah. Uh, Hebrew speaking. Uh-huh. So much, the most in how old one were, area. How old were you? Per capita. Uh, don't know what that means. <laughs> how old enough to know this is not in English, is it? Not at all. Uh, eight to ten. Yeah. Eight to ten years old. Um, I was fluent at the time. Did you like living in Israel? I mean, did it? Yeah, it's gorgeous. Yeah, you yeah. Have, what if I just get it? It's gorgeous. What are you? Are you kidding me? It's like one of the best looking places I was in before I was eight. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, yes, it was very, it was good looking. Uh, I remember because we lived and there were by the Greek aqueducts. Oh, nice. Nearby, uh-huh. uh, by the water. And, you know, there's very weird things that are happening. There's... um. Instead of doing fire drills, you do bomb drills. Yeah. Bad. That'll happen. Now, uh, looking back, I'm, I'm like, what was this sort of false narrative I was being sort of sold as a child around, you know, uh, the state of Palestine? Like, now that's a whole kind of adult thing to try to reconcile. Is like, what was my point of view? That As a child, I was not uh, particularly politically active, uh, Mm -hmm. is one of the things they talk about a lot, is how inactive as a political figure I was as a youth. Um, But I would say it's interesting now looking back through that lens to see the ways in which I was, you know, so totally oblivious and kind of, I was like, all right, this is great. You know, my father was throwing fights at the Tel Aviv Hilton. Um, (laughs) Tyson never came. That was the big drama. Oh. Uh, You know, I'd watch my uh, VHS and so when you, that, that guy that just died, uh, it's alive. I watched that movie so much. Yeah. Uh, and uh, I watched so much Rocky. Oh, I saw that movie so many times. Scarface, uh, you know, Godfather, Taxi Driver. I was a real Scorsese nut as a kid. <laughs> and, <laughs> and that never changed. Yeah. And I was good at, I was the sportiest I ever was. I was good at horseback riding. I was good at gymnastics. BMX biking. Wow. Major sporty kid in ways that totally disappeared in wow. adulthood. But I like to think I'm still that's I'm I'm a little bit more I'm a little more fit than you would expect. I'll never forget Kate Mulgrew from um, Orange is the New Black. She plays Red. Uh-huh. And one time she was like, You, you go to the gym? And I was like, what the fuck is this? <laughs> 
Yeah, I go to the yeah, gym. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What What do you mean? Do I go to the gym? Well, this kind of a physique that makes you think, I'm, yeah, underneath this yeah. very thin layer yes. is a six-pack like you would not. I, I am right you there would with not, you. You would not believe I, I think I'm very, very fit. I have been I have been going to the gym for a long time. And I and well and I actually also recently I've lost about thirty five pounds. Congratulations. Thank you. Unless that's your and thing, then no, you know, no, I really no get believe me. It's it yeah. uh I'm very happy about it. Yeah. And uh I am beginning to see yeah. like the all of this sort of laying on the floor and doing crunches that I've been doing for yeah. years and years now. And I'm starting to get the body of like an old timey circus strongman. Oh, good. A Burt Lancaster. I could not. No, but I mean, or like an old 60s wrestler, Ah, you know. And that's like. Mickey Rourke and the wrestler. No, I mean Ah, like Dick the Bruiser, Ah, you know. I mean like Bruno Sammartino, you know. Yeah, I mean, and that's like, I could not be happier than having an old timey circus strongman body, you know. I don't want to be a swimmer. I want to be like. Another great Burt Lancaster movie, The Swimmer. That's right. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's how we got here. Yeah, that's it. That's what we were talking about all along. <laughs> For 25 years, Mike's has been making lemonade the hard way. Mike's Hard Lemonade. Hard days deserve a hard lemonade. Mike's is hard. So is prison. Don't drive drunk. Premium all beverage with flavors. All registered trademarks used under license by Mike's Hard Lemonade Company, Chicago, Illinois. Hey guys, Sean Hayes here. Jason Bateman, Will Arnett, and I had a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity to sit down with not one, not two, but three presidents of the United States on our recent episode of Smartless. That's because President Biden, a returning guest, brought two of his favorite pals, former Presidents Bill Clinton and Barack Obama, all joined us for unforgettable conversation. It's a historic episode of Smartless as we pry into the minds of these remarkable leaders. We'll cover everything from their time in office, America's responsibilities in the world, and their personal passions in an episode full of some candid stories, insightful perspectives, and a few surprises along the way. Whether you're a political junkie or just curious about the inner workings of the Oval Office, this episode is a must listen. Don't miss out on this incredible opportunity to hear from three of the most influential figures in recent American history. Follow Smartless on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. You can also listen to Smartless ad-free by joining Wondery Plus in the Wondery app or on Apple Podcasts. Can't you tell my love's a growing? Now you I mean there's been a renaissance in your career. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Fucking yeah. It's fantastic and congratulations and being in show business and mm-hmm. having that insecurity of like, you know, you, when you got a steady gig and then it ends and it's, you always feel like, oh, that's it. It's, mm-hmm. you know, it's the end of it. And you've talked about how, like before Orange is the New Black, yeah. that you kind of felt like it was over Done. for you. It's a wrap. And showbiz term. Yeah, yeah. And I'm, that to me, that feeling is fascinating to me. And I wonder were you okay with that feeling? And how did you make yourself okay with that feeling? Yeah, if so. I mean, you know, it's, it's like Richard Hill says, love comes in spurts. Um, I, uh, yeah, it was fucked up. I was like, but, you know, you have to remember at the time. So what happened? For those who don't know, let me bring you back. Uh, yeah, I was a uh, showbiz, showbiz, copacetic, heroin, uh, bad. Uh, now, usually is now it's a nightmare. Yeah, drop out completely, and then you come back to showbiz. They're like, "Who's calling, please? No, thank you." Uh, you know, this is 
uh, th- that was the situation, yeah, as, yeah. effectively, in yeah. a nutshell. Uh, they were not so curious about my return. And so one is forced, nobody's calling on the phone, to kind of like sort of work on building a bit of a new life. Or, you know, so it's really um, out of circumstance, which I think that in my case was very useful because uh, as we sort of addressed, you know, I mean, I came from a place that was so sort of rocky uh, and I don't mean like Sylvester Stallone. Sure, no, I, I, I mean, yeah. it was not More great. like Rocky Four. Yes. Yeah, yeah. And so uh, I think sort of having that time to be sort of like forced to say, who am I going to be now as an adult? Am I, am I a writer? Am I uh, going to be a social worker? Hmm. Am I uh, going to go into real estate? Maybe. Mm-hmm. Am I, you know, and then to sort of like accidentally sort of, uh, so I think as a child, acting was sort of thrust upon me. Mm-hmm. And even though I was sort of uncomfortable in it, I sort of had a natural knack for it and kind of did it despite the discomfort. Then I think by the time I was 16, I was like, all right, well, this sort of thing makes me a bit sick. We get the idea. By 16, I was at Tisch. I was at film school. I was like, I'm going to become a director. Then I dropped out of Tisch, and I was like, no, instead I'll become a drug addict. So that seemed like the next career move. <laughs> and then sort of by the end of that addiction, and I think in part because addiction is real and is a depressant and is all these things, yeah. I was like, you know what? Fuck everything. I don't want to participate. I don't want to play in any of these games. I'm done, you know. And so it was uh, an interesting thing in a sort of, uh, you know, there was this Mike Lee play that uh, called 2,000 Years. And, uh, you know, my best friend, really my sister, Chloe Seveny, I was sort of like, hey, you know, I think there might be like, you know, I'm, um, I know this guy, Scott Elliott at this theater company, the new group. And maybe you might want to take a look at the plan. I'm like, I was, uh, this was the phone call. I said, I'm not, who am I, David Thewlis in Naked? I can't mm-hmm. be that British. I love Mike Lee. But, and sort of Chloe vouched for me to Scott to like sort of give me a shot at this thing. And I think in the course of that play, I ended up accidentally sort of like refinding this very off-Broadway sort of like low-pressure kind of like love of the game again. Yeah. Where my my entire language in the first place is really just movies and books and music. It's really the only like sort of language that I speak fluently and with ease. And, yeah. you know, with that comes, of course, like, you know, human condition and philosophy and all these sort of uh, adjacents. But... I think that I have such a natural sort of love of actually um, material and making things and that it sort of felt really like a a comfort to sort of get to do that stuff again in a sort of a low state, a way that was removed from the stuff you're talking about of the showbiz, the kind of like uh, to do it for oneself rather than to do it for a critical eye to get to determine if you're worthy or not of this sort of claim you've staked in this small arena. In other words... That that's really where I think the crime and the sort of sickness seems to live is in other people getting to dictate my worth to me. Mm-hmm. That is where the disease seems to live of like, you know, the soul sickness that is the experience of, you know, showbiz or anything. Mm-hmm. Um, it's kind of like that you get to fucking tell me yeah. about my worthiness here. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, eliminating in a way accidentally through experience that – component because it was, I was so kind of removed from the public eye and nobody cared. I think it was very uh, healing to have kind of a couple of years in there where I was really just doing it, you know, for the love of the game. And I think in there I started to get sort of slowly like stronger and was restructuring a kind of an 
you know, internal personhood that was not so easily swayed mm -hmm. by your opinion of me. Yeah. And I think it took a long time. I mean, I think it took, you know, I mean, what now I'm, you know, I've uh, been sober for uh, 13 years or something, yeah. right? You know, uh, that was me knocking on wood because you never know, kids. Uh, uh, <laughs> I'm looking at that Purell and I'm thinking, mamma mia. Um, but, you know, I don't think Purell has alcohol, just so everybody knows. It is. But, uh, it's straight alcohol, but it's yeah. just it's the wrong kind. But is, is it's it, the wrong is kind. Is it? Am I rinsing out my mouth, kind. Andy? Yeah, yeah. So, well, put an olive in it and see. You know, I think that it was kind of, I think that what's important also for young people to know and sort of why I, I think it's very important to be transparent around this stuff. You know, uh, in sort of like we were talking, I mean, you know, I mean, in sort of like on my my own terms to kind of like feel an ownership of my own experience and a kind of admission of like an underlying brokenness that exists in all of us and to be transparent around this stuff in the efforts of like not seeing bodies pile up because we're ashamed to talk about it. I think all that is very important to me. And one of the things, uh, you know, it's very important to me, Russian doll, obviously. I mean, these are, I think, the big... The big themes of at least what I feel like I have the power to contribute and maybe answers your question of, you know, where I'd like to go or something. But it's not, you know, I always get very nervous when people think it's something that kind of like you can crack, one can crack their own case in 28 days or whatever, like Sandra Bullock did so well. It's gorgeously in that film. <laughs> um, but I think that's sort of where our sickness lies is almost like a, you know, Americans are basically in, another word for speed freaks or something. I think we, you know, we think we've got to kind of crack it. That yeah, And yeah. I think it, that it wasn't just that play. It yeah. was kind of like a string of things of kind of like, now I'm a day player in this thing. That felt atrocious again. You know what I mean? Like, I yeah. think it really did take sort of five, ten years to really be like, ah, oh, okay, I think I'm starting. And now I'm having still massive anxiety and kind of like whatever it is, uh, OCDs and et cetera's, but at least they're in kind of like a, they're not as attached to the history of everything yeah, yeah. in the same way. That right there, coming from that like disaster period, coming back and like becoming okay with yourself, that's fucking heroic, you know? That's really, you know, Thanks. aside from, yeah. you know, like the, the professional success that you're experiencing right now, that's great. But what you're talking about right there, doing those plays and reclaiming yourself in this fucked up business, that's what's fantastic about you. Thanks, Andy. That's, sure. Yeah. It's, 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 you know, it's definitely big boy stuff, uh, you know, because yeah. the, the places, you know, and that's why I think it's so important for, you know, obviously young girls in particular who I think of because it seems to be that they're the ones that are most paying attention to what I'm doing. Um, so I feel very oh, protective. Women, you know? women, yeah. women uh, from Orange is the New Black to, you know, all these things. It's been women. Women are supporting yeah. you. And, I, you know, I mean, in me, women in me. Yeah. And by um, the way, I do, I will say that there's, you know, I, I will make a pitch for, you know, how wonderful. I feel like there's so many wonderful men that are emerging that are serious feminists. And it yeah. is absolutely delightful to yes. see. And, uh Anyway, my point would just be like that. I think it's important for kids, for grownups, for all of it, for me to remember things are not overnight. Things are not like, you know, things are, uh, it's a heavy duty life. Yes. Yeah. You know, and that's okay. Just because I can kind of articulate that experience and it can feel like such an achievement, you know, I can speak to it. It doesn't necessarily mean that I'm like living in that reality moment to moment. It's you know process. what I mean? Like yeah, I say, you still have to process. wake up every yeah, day absolutely. and waking up is always uh, harsh. Absolutely. Yeah. No, I like I, uh, a big deal for me is a couple of years ago, I got undepressed in a way yeah. that I hadn't, that, you know, where, and I was functional. I 
I had a career, I had a marriage, I was raising children ably, you know, yeah. I mean, my kids are great kids, you know, but I still was like under a fucking cloud for so long. And then I don't know, change in medication, change in therapist, but I think also too, just like marinating in life, just all of a sudden it kind of, I got better at it, you know, and I feel like my feet are better, more planted on the ground. And it just, it takes friends of mine that are younger than me. I'm like, yeah, it's, like I say, I'm 52. And maybe when I was about 49 is when I started to feel like, I think I'm getting the handle of this being Andy Richter thing, you know, of this being a live thing. But you that's know? big. Three years. That's big. Yeah. No, I mean, it's, I'm, yeah. <laughs> I'm I'm pretty happy about it. But I mean, you know, it's 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 always great to hear, you know. Yeah. You're like a story like yours where it's like yeah, you get a bunch of shit thrown at you and then you you reclaim your own your own life. That's fantastic. Yeah, you know. It's, 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 <laughs> Hooray for you is what I'm I saying. Mean, yeah, you really you really ex- accept these compliments. Well. I I know it's a I think I just always take them with a a grain of the reality is, is it's, you know, everything is so tenuous in this life. It's like, you know, we have very much this kind of like, you know, a, more of a sense of a moment to moment than a sense of like a permanent kind of reprieve. It's kind yeah. of like, you know, so I think it's just important to stay uh, conscious that, yes, it's this kind of, there feels like there's this sort of uh, phase one of like an admission of sort of a brokenness and a phase two of like that being okay, like yeah. being okay with that sort of when you describe your experience, that's kind of like what I hear is a sort of rather than a sort of self-flagellation around why am I wired this way and what does it all mean to sort of say like, okay, it's I think it's okay that I'm just, this is sort of like what I'm up against mm-hmm. and let's see how this goes. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like that seems to be the big kahuna, but it's also important to remember that it's also, that that, that is a kind of an ongoing cycle you yeah. know of like and i mean i can be spun out very quickly like uh why isn't the gps working and yeah. it's like boom i'm in some sort of i don't even know how i got into this k-hole yeah, and i don't yeah. mean literally because special k is bad for right, you of course it's which is what i always except say except for the cereal yes so i i think it's just i take the sort of acknowledgement with a, a real as it's given you know it's a profound heavy thing yeah um and also with a kind of sort of like looking down or something mm-hmm. instead of being able to make eye contact around it for fear of not wanting to think like and that's so here i have started and welcome to my new church you know what i mean this yeah. is like not at all how i feel about yeah. things yeah, like yeah. i feel much more like okay so now really what it's given me more than anything you know is the ability to speak freely about that experience yes. like that's mostly What's sort of so exciting about it? It's a is, victory. Yeah, that's kind of the victory. It's yeah. like ah, now I can kind of like move through my life with a measure of honesty and transparency, uh, moment to moment of being like, "Good morning, how are you? Terrible. Thank you for asking." <laughs> Over here, you know what I mean? As opposed to a sense of like, "Well and healed, sir. How are you?" Yeah, like I yeah. don't feel at all, sort of, uh, for lack of a better word, Christian or something in that mm-hmm. way. I don't feel like sunk in the water and healed. Um, yeah. I'm not sure what it's like being Christian, obviously, listening to how I sound, so I don't yeah. know. Maybe it's wonderful. I, I mean, I what listen, do I know? I, what do I know? Uh, I gave that shit up a long time ago. Well, uh, we're getting close to the yeah. end here, and I think we've covered the first two questions, where you're from, where you're going, actually where you come from and, and what you've learned. But I wonder, like, what do you see your future? Like, what, what, where do you want to be? What do you want to yeah. be heading towards? Uh, yeah, I guess I'd... 
I would like to uh, maybe hunker into this kind of space a little more concretely um, mm-hmm. and feel this space being uh, being able to kind of um, talk about. I think that my dream is that Russian doll is really the beginning of life's work and therefore a life where mm-hmm. I get to you know have the privilege of speaking freely on these things and feeling therefore more connected as a human being yeah. and less at sea as a result. Um, do you think it's authorship too? Yes, I do very yeah. much. I think that's what we're kind of coming to in many ways of kind of um, as women, as, you know, as, um, you know, any, you know, marginalized group that historically has sort of had to say, like, you get to dictate to me what my experience was and what in it had value and what didn't and the kind of work that I should be allowed to make on that basis of what, you know, this uh, guy or whatever, the man, let's say, you know, finds uh, worthy financially as an exploration because it's of interest to him. Uh, So I think that in a dream world, whether that was kind of – Part of that experience would even be me be able to say to myself, hey, kid, you get to fucking uh, go take a walk for, you know what I mean, the, a month or something. Sure, and sure. Sort of like, I know that I don't have to live in this sense of fear around, am I satisfying you, sir? Am I pleasing you? Am I up to snuff? Yeah, uh, yeah. I look all right. And the work I made, I directed a film. Do you approve, sir? Yeah, yeah. Uh, You know, will you give me a chance to make another? In a fantasy I think certainly in the realm of the arts, I would get to uh, continue to make things. You know, uh, I'd love to write a book, direct a feature, uh, you know, make uh, more television shows. I just started this production company with Maya Rudolph. And oh, it's nice. called uh, Animal Pictures. And so I'd love for us to get to tell other people's stories to kind of like, you know, really own that and start a band. I'm kidding. Uh, why would I start a band? I have no... Uh, Real musical skill. One um, woman band. Get one yeah. of those. Yeah. Yeah, girl band. Yeah, with yeah. girls in it. It's called Girls Girls, okay? <laughs> and we play the tampons. I'm so sorry. That's not, it's the tambourine. The, the tampon. Yeah, what do you play? I play it's, the tampon. Yeah, Is that not you, enough for you? You really have to you mic don't that like thing, it. though. Just, oh, you think? Is it too girly? <laughs> sorry. Um, yeah, yeah, I take the pill. Uh, what's the band called? IUD. Um, I actually do have friends in a band called IUD. IUD. Lizzie Bugatsos and Sadie Laska. It's a great band. Um, it's uh, mostly just the drums. Uh, yeah. But <laughs> so, uh, you know, some some shenanigans like that and mostly like to feel like in this sort of, you know, man's search for meaning kind of a way that there was kind of some, some sense of... Uh, connection there that had happened a feeling like this experience was maybe going to be I was going to be able to connect with other people and, yeah. and like that you know well, that, you, that's that seems to be like I, I gotta be honest it seems to be really the only thing I'm I'm uh, effectively any any good at if I'm being honest like yeah. I think uh, I don't know that I certainly don't think tomorrow I'm gonna you know uh, track cancer or anything I sure. mean like I, that does not seem to be in the cards for me at this phase of the game yes. uh, like I think there's anything I can really do. And then there's many things I really, I don't think I'm going to be the one to solve a political problem. Uh, no. In fact, I can almost know that. So, of course, there are kind of like bigger things, but I would like in my own small way to be a part of that uh, solution and change. Yeah, great. What you've done in your life is what you're doing in your work. Yeah. And that's pretty big success. Thanks, Andy. You're welcome. I think that's a good point to say. Thank you for listening to the three questions. And thank you, Natasha, for coming in and spending some time having some La Croix with me. 
Thank you so much, Andy. You're it's welcome. A joy. I love you, hon. And uh, I want to see you. Uh, I'll see you around. And uh, tune in next time. Thank you very much for listening to The Three Questions. I've got a big, big love for you. The Three Questions with Andy Richter is a Team Coco and Earwolf production. It's produced by me, Kevin Bartelt, executive produced by Adam Sachs and Jeff Ross at Team Coco, and Chris Bannon and Colin Anderson at Earwolf. Our supervising producer is Aaron Blair, associate produced by Jen Samples and Galit Sahik, and engineered by Will Becton. And if you haven't already, make sure to rate and review The Three Questions with Andy Richter on Apple Podcasts. This has been a Team Coco production in association with Earwolf. Hey guys, Sean Hayes here. Jason Bateman, Will Arnett, and I had a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity to sit down with not one, not two, but three presidents of the United States on our recent episode of Smartless. That's because President Biden, a returning guest, brought two of his favorite pals, former Presidents Bill Clinton and Barack Obama, all joined us for unforgettable conversation. It's a historic episode of Smartless as we pry into the minds of these remarkable leaders. We'll cover everything from their time in office, America's responsibilities in the world, and their personal passions in an episode full of some candid stories, insightful perspectives, and a few surprises along the way. Whether you're a political junkie or just curious about the inner workings of the Oval Office, this episode is a must listen. Don't miss out on this incredible opportunity to hear from three of the most influential figures in recent American history. Follow Smartless on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. You can also listen to Smartless ad free by joining Wondery Plus in the Wondery app or on Apple Podcasts.